I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Do you hate, tolerate, like, or love people? People in general. Because if you haven't noticed, people in general are generally unlovable. You know, I mean, okay, we're, we're Christians, so they are lovable in theory, right? Lovable in theory, but practically speaking, have you met them? People in general, have you met them? Don't kid yourself, it takes fierce determination which requires powerful motivation, which thankfully we have because it comes from our commander the night before the cross when he said a new commandment. This is why he's our commander. He gives us commands. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another. <laughs> Love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You see, by this, by this, uh, loving one another the way Jesus loves us, by this, all who know you will know that you are my disciples. If you have love, you know, like mine for you, he says, for one another. Get it? Got it? Good. <laughs> In fact, if anyone says, this gets get scarier and scarier. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, which means doesn't love him like Jesus does, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, you know, as I love you, Jesus says, whom he has seen cannot, can't love God whom he has not seen. Because the Lord's going to disappoint you just as much, if not more. You know, we've, I've done messages how the Lord just doesn't live up to our expectations. It's like he has a different agenda. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You know, as Jesus loves you. Because by this, the loving others like Jesus does, well, the, the children of God, the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice Righteousness is not a God, nor the one who does not love his brother, because that's the number one way we practice righteousness, loving like Jesus, trying to love people in general, like Jesus. And then he says, well, do not be surprised now. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you, okay, you know, because he who does not love, as Jesus loves, abides in death. So the question for us is, are they luring you in, or are you luring them out? And the follow-up question being, how hard are you trying to genuinely love the generally unlovable? Assuming you're trying at all. Because this eternal life and death, inner battle, outer struggle... 
has been going on since day one, almost literally since day one. Uh, John writes, for this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, right? Not as Cain, who was of the evil one. Loved only according to his emotions. The love went when the emotions went. Yeah, not as Cain, but as Jesus. John writes, dear friends, dear friends, I'm, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command, because there's something new about it, because the new part uh, is what Christ commanded on the eve of the cross. That new part was to love as I have loved you. That's the new part of the old command. We now got a picture. Match that. Because, as John writes, its truth is seen in him and you. Because the darkness is passing, and the true light is already shining. Therefore, anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates his brother, you know, loves as Cain with the emotions, not as Jesus with the spirit, is still in the darkness, you know, deceiving themselves. But whoever loves his brother as Jesus loves us, lives in the light. And there is nothing of unlove in him to make him stumble, because that's what makes us stumble, the unlove in us. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because he's not heading for righteousness by practicing loving like Jesus. Because the darkness inside of him, well, has blinded him. This is really important. You feel like they're just banging a drum here? <laughs> yeah, because this is really important stuff. Last week, I, uh, I told the lady at the paint store that I love her. It was on an accident. You ever do that? You ever say love you to somebody and you're like, wait, wait, that's like, why did I say that? I often say love you to friends and family, like on the phone, you know, love you, bye. See you, love you. Well, I bought some paint. <laughs> and she was really helpful. She saw me standing there and, hey, do you need this? And she went and mixed it for me. And I was just very appreciative. And, and she rang me up and she said, thank you. And I said, thank you. Love you. See you later. And turned around and realized, I just told the lady I love her. <laughs> and so I spun back around. And I said, um, and she's just looking at me smiling. And I said, uh, I'm so used to saying love you to my, um, that I, uh, I guess I love you. <laughs> Seemed like the only appropriate thing to say. And she laughed and she threw her arms out and she said, and I love you too, Bruce. <laughs> and then I looked at her name tag. Okay, she knows my name and I don't know her. She does love me more. <laughs> and I'm supposed to be the example. Well, we had a laugh and it was no longer awkward. It was actually kind of heartwarming. And as I left, I don't know about her, but I said to myself as I left, I went, I do love her. I do care about her. I, I see her once in a while, but I do care about her. That slip of the tongue was a true brotherly, platonic, Freudian slip. I accidentally told her that I, the truth. 
So why don't people know us more by our love than they do? That's on us, right? That's on us because for the most part, I'll tell you, I mean, we all share this. For the most part, we just tolerate them. We just tolerate them. That's not going to cut it. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about walking the talk and then uh, talking the walk, you know. It's got to be real, and then you've got to share. Letting go of what's holding us back, dropping what's dragging us down, and then waiting to be deployed. Um, and I just want a quick review. Last week when we talked about waiting to be deployed, we saw, uh, we put Matthew and Mark together here, the blue and the purple. And so as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, also known as Big Lake, he saw two very familiar, we went over all this last Sunday, very familiar uh, brothers, Simon, whom Jesus had called Peter a year earlier, and his brother Andrew, who had been a believer and a part-time follower for a year along with Peter, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen by trade, part-time disciples by choice. Come! Follow me, Jesus said, because he had just declared that it was time to declare the good news. Come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Let's go. Full time. Fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him because while they were working, they were also watching and waiting to be deployed. They were excited. Are you? Whatever your work is, whatever you do, are, are you watching and waiting to be deployed? That's a, kind of where we left it last week. We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. I tell you, writes Paul, now is the time of God's favor. Because remember the cross? Remember the tomb? The resurrection? Oh my goodness. Now's the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Therefore... We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, things that we don't experience right here, right now, imprisonments, and riots. Okay, maybe the riots. In purity, understanding, patience, and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness. So are you, am I, are we actively demonstrating how the light of the love of our commander and savior can overcome whatever shade this world can throw at us? Because love in the face of our trials is our witness. That is, that's the witness. Love in the face of trials. That's when those who know you will know you're a child of God and a disciple of Christ. In fact, our best witness, best witness always comes in our worst circumstances. I mean, that's just, I mean, if we're trusting him. Trials and witnesses. The two words just go together, right? Trials and witnesses go hand in hand. Because when there's a trial, a literal trial, that's when courts are convened and we are literally given the task of testifying. 
And, and I bring this up because when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses, he's, he used this specific judicial term, meaning a, a court testifier, a witness in a court proceeding. You'll be my witnesses. Plus, he commanded us, of course, he commanded us to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And, well, all the prophets, all the prophets testify about him, specifically, that everyone, this is the good news, of course, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so he uses this legal term for a witness, but it makes this comparable. But a, a legal witness certainly doesn't barge in, you know, take the stand whenever they want. It's like, listen up, people, I'm a witness. I'm a witness, I'm ready to witness. No, I'm not at all, of course. They, they share what they know when called to take a stand, or the stand. Until then, a good witness sits quietly, right? Waits patiently. Watches attentively. They don't want to miss their call. And then usually speaks softly when taking a stand. I mean, the stand. You know what else is just like that? Just like that. Fishing. Fishing. I see why, why Jesus is using these two. He's, he's mashing these uh, comparables up. That's just like fishing, which is probably why I, as a young child, hated fishing. Oh, I hated fishing. I hated, hated fishing. Did you know that my dad, Pops, was a fishing guide on the Skagit? I mean, he was a fisherman's fisherman. That's, that's Pops right there with the governor uh, back in the 60s when I was young. I hated fishing, and my dad was a river guide. Now, just to be clear, I loved going with Pops, taking the boat to the river. I loved launching that boat, watching him launch that boat in the water. I loved riding that thing. He always, he always drove that thing so fast. I loved riding it over the waves, sitting on the bow. I loved eating these barbecue burgers Pops made right on the boat. He made himself this little boat barbecue. Oh, my goodness. And he'd grill up onions. Those are so good. I loved exploring sandbars and riverbanks. You know what I loved? I loved catching fish. I loved reeling them in. I loved netting them. Loved it. I just hated the actual, you know, sitting quietly, waiting patiently, watching attentively, speaking softly, fishing part. <laughs> Not how I rolled, Eddie-o. Uh, I loved everything about fishing, except fishing. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what I used to hear a lot? Don't make so much noise. Don't make so much noise. Just scare the fish. Truer words, never spoken. Disruptive and disorderly witnesses are dismissed and disregarded. So don't make so much noise. Don't scare the fish. Give them a chance to come to you. Be alluring with your love. And give them time to come to you. And I know, we get scared. What, 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 what am I asked to share? I'm asked something I can't answer. Not possible. Impossible. Because I don't know is a great answer. I don't know. I don't know. Shows humility. Earns credibility. No one likes to know it all. And also, it's true, right? 
So here's the thing. You want to take away all the fear of sharing your faith. Be prepared to say, I don't know. I don't know. You may or may not help them find the answer, but it's okay to say I don't. That's allowed. Do you know it's actually what witnesses are expected to say if it's true? Right? Oh, I don't know. But that doesn't let us off the hook. We must still remain ready to respond when called on, even if the answer is going to be I don't know. Because we've been warned. We've been warned to always, always be prepared to give an answer, even if it's I don't know. Although I don't think that's the point of this verse. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone, anyone who asks. That's an important word in there. Who asks you to take the stand, the witness stand. And what are they asking? Who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have? Just what's your reason? Which will be scriptures. But do this with gentleness and respect, you know, or you'll cancel out what they saw in you and were attracted to. I love that we're not told in any way to prepare a dissertation on the theological implications of atonement and propitiation. That's Pastor John's job. I don't even know what those words mean. <laughs> not completely. <laughs> I always have to turn to John. Remind me again, what's propitiation? <laughs> No, just be prepared, be prepared to give the reason, right? Literally, this just says the word, as in the scriptures. Be prepared to give the, the verses, the scriptures, the word, the reason for the hope, for the hope that you have. Just what do you base it on? Because if your hope is based on hearsay, well, I heard in the church, it won't hold up. That don't stand up in court. And that verse is not a suggestion. It is an instruction. Always be prepared. Remember when we read where Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Which is, well, the task of testifying. There's that courtroom word again. Testifying specifically to the gospel of God's grace. Gospel just means good news. To good news. The task of testifying. Good news. God's been good to me. His grace is great. Testifying to the good news of God's grace is critical. Absolutely critical to our created purpose and our God-given mission of going vision. Because we are told in scripture that God chose when and where we would, he would knit us in the womb. So that means every one of us, every one of us individually has been strategically placed in time and space to be a guiding light that allures others with our Jesus-like love. Because without Christ as their Savior and Lord, guilt, guilt is toxic. And life is meaningless. And true peace is out of reach. And death is absolutely, uh, utterly devastating. That's, that's the bad news. That's the bad news that we all share down here. So if you are sparkling with an alluringly clean conscience, freed from guilt, and an actual purpose, I know what I'm called to do. 
and an inner peace that, you know, passes understanding maybe. And the best good news of all, a hope way beyond the grave. And the light of your love makes you affably approachable. Well, they'll bite. Who wouldn't? What do you got? What do you, give me some of what you got. Because everyone's groping. Everyone's groping for answers in the dark down here. That's, that's no secret. Because deep down, we're all in the same boat. Deep down. Everyone, everyone aches to escape the darkness inside and out. But no one's going to settle for a second-hand account. Those are, mm-mm, mm-mm. I got to know you. That's just hearsay. Won't stand up. So live out your hope and love, but be ready to show us the evidence. We need evidence, you know, because that's a huge part of your faith. You know, the evidence for what you believe in, huge. Bible even says that is faith. That's what faith is. Look at this, Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for, of our hope. You know, the evidence. The evidence. We got to know, if you're sharing, we got to know that your hope isn't based on someone's vain imagination or something you heard from someone who heard from someone or some dead guy said a long time ago. We need to know that your hope is based and built on the tried and tested and proven unshakable rock of Scripture. And so to really live out our hope and then to be con- and confidently share our hope, you got to own our hope. Each of us, each one of us has to own our hope. This, why do I believe what I believe? What do I believe? And why do I believe? Well, I believe because it's in Scripture. Where? Show me the evidence that you know what your hope is based on. Until then, eh, trust what you know to be true. And just be honest about what you don't. That'll work in the meanwhile. Remember, witnesses often say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. In fact, by saying, I don't know, that may be the spark that gets you in there to look. I need, I need to know. I need to find that answer. I don't know. I don't know. That's allowed. That's expected. But you know what a witness will never say? Isn't allowed? I'm too shy. I'm too shy to speak. That's contempt. You go to jail for that. But... I just, need, I just need more courage. I just need more courage. Oh, no, you don't. What a lie. No, you don't. Stop deceiving yourself with that old ruse. Because if you're a believer, then you yourself claim to believe that there is no fear in love. But perfect love, that just means Jesus-style love. You know, the love that looks like Jesus. That love drives out fear. You claim to believe that. So don't say you, you, you need more courage. I'll prove it just with a, a comparable here. Say you're at a party, okay? Party. It's got a big old bonfire. And look, there's a cute little deer on it. And there's uh, very attractive. You're among people you barely know. Barely know. Strangers. But, but you see a toddler walk right up to that thing and start to climb in. It won't jump in the fire pit. Would you sit there and watch? You know you wouldn't. No. 
you would, spring, you would spring into action without any fear of personal risk or embarrassment. You'd be pushing people out of the way. Remember Paul said, uh, I count my life nothing just if I can finish the task. You'd have that mindset in that moment. Save the kid from the fire. No fear of embarrassment. No need for courage. Because it turns out you have this in common with me. You do love people, even strangers, more than you realize. Oh, you tell yourself you're just tolerating them, but that's a cover story. You're just afraid to show the love that's in you. you maybe even tell yourself that you actually love them. Okay. Or maybe you don't, and then we start there. Either way, shyness has nothing to do with boldness. When pure Jesus-like love is involved and a child's life is on the line, and God's called us to, to, to save his kids from the fire pit. Don't let him jump in. No, you don't need more boldness. Boldness uh, you have. No, we need more concern and compassion and empathy and pity and mercy. That's what we lack. We, we don't lack courage. We lack love. That's why I have to practice it. Practice it. And pure love, like Jesus' love, is the only motivation. It's the only motivation with a, that can power up that fierce determination required for the task at hand. So drop anchor. Settle down and don't have a panic attack. You're only a witness, okay? That's it. You're just a witness. You're not expected to argue the case or push for a verdict or bring a conviction. That's our Father's job. And plus, you have a promise of power when deployed, right? Our true commander-in-chief said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Well, in Jerusalem to begin with, then in all Judea, then we go beyond that, uh, Samaria, and believe it or not, to the ends of the earth. And here we are. And here we are on the ends of the earth. We, right here. We, we would have been the disciples' inconceivable definition of the ends of the earth, especially a space needle. Here we are, the ends of the earth. So how's it feel? How's it feel to be stationed at the outermost outpost on the day of salvation? We have no excuse. No excuse for not practicing the righteous power we've received. Because all we're asked to do is to prepare to share what we trust to be true and then to wait patiently and watch expectantly and when deployed to uh, take a stand and I mean the stand the witness stand and tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you, Dad. The fish are jumping right into the fire. So maybe try throwing in a love you here and there. Lure them in with your love.
Let's pray. <laughs> I love you all. I love you all. Okay, let's pray. Oh, okay, yeah, clap. Thank you. Now let's pray. Father God, I love this church, and I love you, and I love that you love us more than we could possibly love one another. We worship you. We glorify you today as we prepare ourselves for our mission this week. Holy Spirit, inspire us to own the hope we have in you and empower us to practice the righteous love that drives out all fear. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for giving us a clean conscience, real purpose, true peace, and a hope far beyond that grave. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.